listeners. I am Laurel McCarg, host of the Alligator Preserves podcast. And today I have a really fun guest. His name is Thomas K. Carpenter, but I'm going to call him Tom. Welcome to Alligator Preserves, a weekly podcast about revealing yourself through storytelling, story reading, and story writing, but probably not story arithmetic because that's not a thing. You just might surprise yourself with the secrets you'll uncover. Hey Tom, how you doing? Good, how are you Laurel? I'm doing well, but it's cold. It's very cold here. I think we might get some snow finally. I'm in Salida, you're in... Buena Vista. Buena Vista. Some people call it Buena Vista. Colorado. Yes, we're anticipating lots more snow so we can go skiing. Do you ski or snowboard or anything? Yeah, yeah. We uh, we try to get up to Breck or any of the epic uh, pass uh, uh, places at least once a week. Haven't gotten to it in the last couple of weeks. We've been busy, but we are planning on going next week. That's part of the joy of living in the mountains. Me too. That's for sure. Well, Tom, you are a best-selling contemporary fantasy author with, I think, over 60 books under your belt. Is that right? Yes, correct. Yeah. <sighs> Holy mackerel. All right. So other than having 60 books under your belt, and we'll get to that, who else are you? Who else am I? Um, well, uh, yeah, like you said, I, uh, I'm a full-time uh, uh Urban fantasy, magic school author, though I have written in some other genres, science fiction, uh, cyberpunk, um, historical mystery, stuff like that. Um, I am also a uh, game designer. I have a a cooperative strategy card game coming out on Kickstarter in February. Um, And, uh, you know, like to to do the hiking and skiing and all things outdoor. And that's kind of why we moved out here. Yeah. Moved out here from where? Uh, St. Louis. Okay. All righty. Uh, three years ago. Almost two and a half years ago. So. Oh, so you haven't even been here that long. That That is amazing. I didn't know that you also were creating these games. Are these online yeah. games? No, this would be, it's a, it's a card game. Um, yeah. So it's a, a cooperative strategy card game. You get together with a group. Uh, you play against scenarios as a team and try to defeat it. And there are various levels of decks and the game is based on my books. So uh, that's that. Is, yeah. Congratulations. That is fabulous. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I'm, I'm, uh, we're, we're excited to launch it because it's been a, a lot of work getting here. Uh, we still have a little bit more work to, to do, but we're, we're almost there. We being. Uh, my wife and I, Rachel. Yeah, she, uh, we, she, you know, we've been working on it together. She's been doing a lot of the uh, campaign, uh, Kickstarter campaign design, which takes a lot of uh, graphic design and just, you know, getting the wording right. And you got to go in and get all the shipping details and, you know, all, all those things. So, um, you know, it's it's been a it's been a long row. We've been working seven days a week for quite a while, uh, just trying to get it done. Oh my goodness! Your I I love the description on on Amazon of of what you do. You do fantastic families, magical academies, and epic yeah. adventures. So I read book one of your first series, book one yeah. of the Hundred Halls series, and the one that I read was called Trials of Magic. And 
first of all, let me, before we get into that, let me ask you, that was published in 2016, I believe. And you have over 60 books published. We're talking about seven books a year uh, on average that you're creating? Um, The first book I published was in 2010. So in 13 years, uh, those 60 books. So probably four or five is the the average. Yeah, yeah, definitely kind of learned to write at a, a certain pace and level maybe about by 15 or 16, I think, you know, I've had some years that I've done better, but generally it's been that maybe four to six books a year. Okay. How do you keep track of your characters? Do you use any writing apps? I I don't use any writing apps, but I do use Excel. I'm, I'm a, you know, my, my background was an engineer. I love Excel, I love spreadsheets, but so I have like, uh, for the hundred halls world, um, which is of those sixty books, is like thirty three of those books, which is uh, about a magical um, modern magical university called the hundred halls, where each hall has a different uh, type of magic. And I've been writing a five book series around each one, with trials being the original one, hundred halls with Arcanium Hall, which is around book library truth magic. But anyway, so. Um, you know, that's a lot of material. And, uh, you know, with 33 books, there's a lot to keep track of. But I have um, a giant Excel spreadsheet with each tab for each hall that has, you know, defined characters. I have um, extensive kind of library, word library of, you know, here are, uh, it all takes place in a fictional city called Invictus, uh, also known as the City of Sorcery. And so I have all the different wards, like uh, different businesses, lists of like who is the owner, you know, descriptions. But even then it can get a little unwieldy. And sometimes I'm like, oh, no, I need to know this thing. And I need to go like go back through old books and do search and kind of find, you know, well, what was this character's eye color? Uh, You know what? I was just looking up one this morning. Uh, this character's originally from Ireland. What county was it again? You know, because I had to reference that, you know, things like that. Right. So when I say let's talk about Trials of Magic, how much do you remember about it? A lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for one, um, I did approve the audiobook last year, so I had to listen to it again. And I go back to that. Um, I actually reread it uh, recently. Um, I just started season two of the hundred halls last year. So uh, 28 of the books are the first season all around, like a lot of events that happened in the world. And then I, after that was over, I moved three years ahead and started season two. And as I was doing that, I kind of wanted to touch back to, you know, when you write so many books in a world, I, I didn't want it to veer too far away. And I actually wrote a book this summer that I realized wasn't a hundred halls book and wasn't very good. Uh, I just wasn't happy with it. I, I, I don't know. Sometimes my, you know, you try to do certain things. And then when I started, when I was rereading it, I realized it wasn't good. And so I scrapped it and I went back and actually read trials of magic again, because I wanted to refresh myself. Okay. What are the things that make, uh, a hundred halls novel work and you know why you know my fans have been reading these books for a while and they expect certain things and i i think what i tried to do in the other book might have been fine if i was writing epic fantasy but it wasn't a hundred halls book so 
I reread Trials of Magic, kind of refreshed myself. Oh yeah, the, you know, these are the things that were fun and enjoyable and I needed to get back to that. Um, and, um, and then as soon as I did that, like as soon as I uh, started the new version of that novel, which was completely different, um, it just felt right. Like, you know, where the summer when I was writing the other one, I was fighting it. I would be like, and sometimes you get that where you're like, well, maybe this is just, um, I'm just, you know, it's just one of those things, the, the muddy middle, but I realized it was throughout the whole book. I just didn't feel right. And there was a reason because it, it wasn't doing the things I needed it to do. What specifically did you think was missing? Um, for a, a number of things. Um, one is that part of the hundred halls is that it is um, urban fantasy, you know, set in a uh, uh, you know modern city. Uh, the the city is is part of it. Well, I had to, and while my universe, they are connected to other magical realms. You know, they're connected to you know the Fey, summer and winter Fey. They're connected to other places I've made up. You know, Montahas, Care Corset. Uh, they're connected to the city fae, which are the, uh, uh, you know, they're, if, you know, the regular fae or, or like, you know, summer, winter, you know, that sort of thing connected to the elements, they're connected to urban environments, you know, things like that. Well, I decided to set this one completely in another realm, um, which started to really feel like urban fantasy, or not urban fantasy, epic fantasy. I, you know, I introduced dragons and it was all cool, but it just... It didn't do that. And I think the other thing um, is that a lot of what my books have been are about like, you know, sometimes taking those um, myths and legends and doing a twist on them. Um, you know, in my books, the Pied Piper is there, but he is this semi-immortal being who steals people's souls. And he got his magic, you know, from back in the dark ages, you know, when people were sacrificing people to him and stuff like that. He's a really dark figure. You know, there are a lot of the, you know, there's a sphinx, but really it's this uh, hoarder who lives in an apartment with hundreds and hundreds of pizza boxes. And you can get an answer from him, but he's probably going to try to eat you, you know, things like that, you know, taking that kind of urban fantasy twist on it. And, you know, there's a lot of those fun things. And I, I was getting, again, more to that epic fantasy which is you know i don't know bit bigger scopes and you know clash of civilization but i wanted to get back to that smaller thing and also you know the school is a big part of it um people want to read about learning magic they want to read about okay this hall is different what makes it different and unique and and how to give that reader that different experience so um yeah I, you know i i the good thing about that failure this summer was it it reconnected with, you know, to me what it is that I, I think was making the Hundred Halls a, a great uh, multi-series universe. So learning through failure. I love that. When did you know you could make a living from your imagination? Um, so, you know, started, uh, you know, uh, indie publishing in 2010 and um I was, you know, had a full-time job, was working for Toyota, and, you know, that was always the goal. And, you know, I've had, I've made lots of mistakes. Um, I like to think I've made all the mistakes you can in indie publishing. Um, and I, I like to try to find new ones every year like that. Um, but so around, um, you know, started feeling like I was getting to a point where, okay, you know, once our, our kids, you know, graduate, move out of the house, um, and things like that, that I was getting close to that income level where, okay, you know, maybe we can leave. 
Um, but I was always like, oh, you know, it was always the question of, you know, how much do you need to say for that transition? What, you know, that's a big, it's a big word. Then during the pandemic and, um, you know, when our spending went down to nothing like everybody, and also I was away from the corporate environment for a month or so and, and was like, oh my God, you know, this is wonderful. And so really started earnestly figuring out, okay, what would it take to get there? You know, we, we made that jump. Unfortunately, during that time, things changed. And like the in, the independent publishing um, became more difficult, like it, you know, a lot more people were spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on ads, which really drowned out natural algorithm discovery of books. So my projections did not work out. But the good thing was we switched from an Amazon, you know, I was getting kind of the weeds of, of publishing, but Amazon exclusive to a, a wide, meaning we're on all the platforms, Kobo, Google Play our own direct store, stuff like that. Um, and so we're able to recover from that. But long story short, it was maybe around that timing of 2021 realized, you know, we could we could do this for real. Um, and, you know, it's definitely required learning a lot more things, you know, doing it as a full-time job when I didn't have that Toyota uh, salary to, to fall back on. It's a little more scary, but, you know, we've been able to make it work. Because every author I know, including myself, would love to know what is what is that trick? What does it take for you to become? How many years did it take you to become an overnight success? Right? I mean, that's yeah, because yeah. that's that's what you're talking about. You're talking yeah. about making this your absolute full time job. Yeah. And any any other tricks? I mean, other than the fact that you have a wife as your partner in marketing, I guess, which is yeah, yeah, helpful. She, yeah, she. She she does a lot of the newsletters, you know. She's kind of picked up a lot of those skills over the the years. I would have to say, I think you know, if we're talking you know full time writing, I've done it the hard way. I think awesome. when people typically make it to uh, full time writing, um, a lot of time they're picking uh, the real center of a of a really hot genre and writing in that world and really writing to the tropes and writing, you know. You know exactly what the reader is hoping to get. You know whether that's you know billionaire bully romance or you know uh, hockey romance. You know anything like that or romance, the, romance, any of the romance. Yeah, ro- romance is always a, a a bigger a bigger genre. But even outside of that, you know there are you know cozy fantasy that can be a big genre or anything like that. I've always taken a, you know, it's mine. My books have never been this down the center of a genre. Eventually I had to figure out kind of like I was talking about the summer, my, the hundred halls are its own genre of magic school. It's not, it straddles a couple of sub genres, but it's not 100% urban fantasy. It's not 100% this or that, or, you know, contemporary fantasy or stuff like that. So I think I've seen many times where writers have been like, okay, I'm going to stop writing what I'm just, you know, writing on whimsy or creativity. They're like, I'm going to study this genre and I'm going to write a book that really hits all these things that people are looking for. And I've seen people go from nothing to making six figures in a year. Um, But that's hard. It is hard to write to a genre. It takes a certain uh, type of author to do that. And, and, um, that's not always been me, <laughs> you know, even the early years I wrote, I, every, every time I started a new series, I would write in a new genre. And so that was always very difficult because you don't really, 
and, and I'm sure this is very familiar to you, <laughs> skipping genres, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but in doing that, it was very hard to carry fans over. Um, so that was why I was like, I want to do something where I can write in a world for a long time and still feel like I get to be creative. Because I think if I felt like I was just writing the same books all the time, it would be very difficult for me. But on the flip side, that's why I got in trouble this summer, because I tried to get too different and got away from it. So, you know, look, right. there's a balance. So in this series, you've you've got all the magical world elements. I mean, yeah. you've got the, you let me say, the Harry Potterish school, yeah, different yeah. schools, different hats, whatever idea you've got the guilt-ridden older sister who has to find truth. She has to find the truth about how to respond to things, specifically how to respond to an unknown question that she wants to know about. You've got the jealous peers, right? The jealous, tormenting peers, which, yeah. you know, you, you always have for that for that tension. Your, your battle scene. Your battle scene reminded me and again, don't take offense because this is this is a compliment. It reminded me of the battle scene in Ender's Game. Yeah, um, oh, I love Ender's Game. It, yeah. All right. So I'm wondering which authors and or books most influenced you. Ooh, um, you know I love George R. R. Martin, and even bo- so, even before the Game of Thrones, which obviously made him wildly popular, um, he was a prolific and award-winning short story writer. He's written, you know, dozens and dozens of of absolutely fabulous short stories. Really a big fan of his, and and have read all of his novels uh, pre uh, Game of Thrones. I would say he was a big influence. Anne McCafferty, you know, the Dragon Riders of Pern, Wizard of Earthsea, Ursula Le Guin. Um, I did. Yeah. Ender's game is, is fabulous. Trying to think. Yeah. You know, I think those would be some of my favorite books as a kid. Um, though I, I read pretty wildly. My mom was a big science fiction fantasy reader and, uh, there was a great used bookstore still there, uh, back in St. Louis roses bookstore. And, you know, we could take up old books and trade them in and then get new, you know, or new used books, you know? And so I was always going up there, grabbing new things. So, you know, trying to read, you know, anything and everything within the science fiction and fantasy genre. Were you a storyteller from a a young age? Do you dream vividly? Oh yeah. 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 I, I absolutely like when I, when I got my degree in engineering, that was only because I knew writing is difficult. Like, you know, it's very, you know, you don't know if you're going to get an agent, you don't know if you're going to sell a book, all those things. So I knew I needed a stable career. I had, that was always my intention. I mean, the the first book I ever wrote, I started in college while I was doing engineering. Um, you know, I was writing short stories when I was in high school and, um, you know, so that was always the intention. It just was a much longer road than I was <laughs> initially hoping for. All right. So in Trials of Magic, you, you choose two sisters. Ari and yeah. Pi. Yeah. Ari and Pi. Why, why two girls? Why two sisters? Um, and of course, and of course they're orphans. They have to be orphans. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, back, so the, that, you know, you, you brought it up. The, the tagline uh, for the hundred halls is, you know, magical academies, fantastic families, um, epic adventures. One of my favorite tropes is found families. You, you know, you got the family you got, but, you know, finding that group 
that you connect with, um, you know, you know, you bring up Harry Potter, you know, Hermione and Ron, and even, you know, some of the others, you know, are, are peripheral to that. Any, you know, anytime you get that, that group that's bonded together and they're, you know, the, I mean, you know, look at Lord of the Rings. I mean, that was kind of, you know, found family with all of them getting together the fellowship. So I, I wanted that and starting with the sisters, I think I also wanted to do something different than, you know, most urban fantasy, you know, it's typically that one, you know, already powerful person, you know, either they're investigating crimes or, or whatever, doing sisters was a different take on it, you know, then also it gave me two perspectives. I think books are, you know, when, when you have multiple points of view, you get to see the world in different ways. That's, I think, the difficulty of writing single point of view books is, you know, you only have that person's opinion on the world. But when you get to see it from other perspectives, because Ari and Pi are very different. Ari is, you know, by the book, very, you know, she's the older sister. And Pi is the younger sister who's always in trouble and looking for shortcuts. And and however, you know, she can shortcuts to power. Um, so that gives you a different viewpoint on not only the world, but, you know, the school and what's going on in the city. So, And you handled both their want, desire for power, those struggles, and their beautiful connection, which, you know, siblings can be tough. I have, I have four sisters. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I understand sibling rivalry. So you've, you've got that in there. But you also really the way you wrote it, I, I felt I felt the connection between them and the and the love and the respect and the need for one another, right? I yeah. mean, they needed one another and still do. Are, are they in all the books? Or are they in all the hundred house books or just the first? Ari makes a brief appearance in uh the reluctant assassin, and then also so I wrote the five series. Uh, in season one, and then, which in that only in Reluctant Assassin do they, you know, does Ari appear briefly. But then in the end of season one, I had a kind of Avenger style trilogy, The Order of Merlin, where all the major characters from those books come together to solve the big problem that's been lurking in the background of all these things, you know, from the very beginning of Trials of Magic, that problem is sort of revealed. And all of those characters work together in the Order of Merlin to, you know, to 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 solve that. So Ari, Pi, Zane, you know, uh, Pax, any of the characters from the other series, they all show up in that one. So the readers get uh, to visit them in that. Now in season two a lot of some of those characters from the first season are appearing, but now they've moved on. They're older. They might be a professor. They might be, you know, in charge of a hall or, you know, something else. So, you know, as, as I'm getting into season two, some of those other characters are showing up. So because you know, you have to have character arcs, they have to grow, they yeah. have to change a little bit and, and all that there, your books are meant to be read in sequence. For each series, each I, I my goal was um, kind of talked to like spokes of a wheel. You can mm-hmm. enter the series at any part. You can enter in Trials of Magic. You could enter in the Reluctant Assassin, which is the first one of the Assassin series. Wild Magic, the first one of Animalians or, or whatever. Even the trilogy I wrote, the, the end of season one, I wrote uh, in a way that anybody, if that's the first time they're reading the 100 Halls, they could they could 
you know, start there. And, you know, because I, I, I don't want you to have to know everything from before. But if you have read, and there is a suggested reading order, if you do want to read through them, there is there is an order that makes the most sense. Um, mm-hmm. And I do have that, you know, suggested reading order on, on my website. Uh, but every series is meant to stand on its own. And I even want each book to stand on its own to a certain uh, point of, of view. I don't want it to feel like you have to have read everything uh, okay. to enjoy that book. If you could sum up Trials of Magic, your first book, in one word, what would it be? <laughs> That's uh, one, <laughs> one word. Uh, one word. Only one word. One word? Um. Oh boy, I, I'm gonna. I, I'll I'll go with just sisters. Okay. Because because that that's the. I mean that that is the core of the characters. Is their as you said their love for each other, them you know protecting each other no matter what, um, and and that is really what you know holds a lot of the a lot of the series together is whatever those fa- found families are, whether it's. Packs with her animal companion, uh, Callie, or uh, the Charmer family, or or whatever, the dysfunctional Charmer family, I should say. All right, I will I will add the word fun as one word okay. to describe that that yeah. first book because seriously, it was fun to read. Okay. I loved wondering what was going to come up next, how they were going to solve their problems, who was going to be the real jerk, and were they going to get their comeuppance. Yeah. <laughs> It was fun. It was just, it was fun. Who does your cover art? Because your cover art is stunning. Oh, all of them. For earlier on, it was uh, Raven, R-A-V-V-E-N.com. Uh, she does fantastic work. And then lately, the la- for the last year, I've been using uh, GNS covers. Gene and Sasha, they do a, a fantastic job as well. Um, people do judge a book by its cover, so a yes. cover is important. <laughs> It is. It is. Good, good tip for you aspiring authors out there and writers out there. Where do you write? How do you um, write? What's your your best situation for writing when you uh, sit down? Like actually, just right, right here where I'm sitting, I write uh, two sessions a day. I write once in the morning and, and once again, again in the afternoon. Um, I can write anywhere whenever we travel uh i will you know take my laptop and all my stuff and set up wherever i find room and and write it bothers me if i don't write every day <laughs> even just a little bit even like even if we're go- like going to go on a hike i'm like well i'm just going to get like 40 minutes in before we go or something like that um, do you get maybe- do you get ideas while you're hiking or do you get ideas when you're oh. not near something and how do you handle that um, I definitely like actually going on hikes is a great way for me to work out things. Um, uh, Rachel uh, is a great listener and question, uh, ask quite great questions to, you know, prompt things, um, you know, because sometimes I'll be like, ah, I'm stuck on this one part. I need to I need to think it through. I need to understand what the characters are going through better. And sometimes it's just me talking for 20 minutes and then I'm like, OK, yeah, that's all I needed. Or sometimes she'll ask questions and be like, well, what about this? Or, you know, why did this person do this? And I'm like, oh yeah, that's a good, you know, point. Cause it has to, it has to make sense for the character. You know, the, if, if it's me, the author trying to make something happen, readers can tell that uh, it needs to be, the characters need to be true to themselves. They need to be doing what, what they need to do, which has ruined many a plot for me, but that's okay. 
Um, you know, I can always find new ways to uh, to throw their uh, plans in, into into chaos. So, <laughs> because characters can do that, can't they? They can yeah. say, "I don't want to take this next step that you had planned for me. I'm going somewhere else." Yeah, and and, and I think always I'm always pleased when my beta readers will tell me, "Oh, I." Absolutely hated when they made that decision, but I absolutely understood why they made that decision, you know. Okay, good. So do you have beta readers for every book before you put it, put it out? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, go through a, a number of steps. I have a, a team of, of six beta readers um, that, oh, that read every book and they always give me great feedback and, um, you know, continuity errors or, you know, you know, let me know, you know, which characters they liked, you know, their impressions, things like that. And, you know, maybe, maybe some, you know, copy edit nits. Of course, I've edited a couple of times, Rachel will read it. And then once we've gone through, and I'm happy with the story, then I will send it to my copy editor. And then she goes through and and finds all the, you know, um, commas and, you know, uh, missing the picky stuff, the twos, the does. And then after that, after I do all that, then we actually have an advanced reader group on the newsletter. Uh, we send it to them and we get feedback. If there's any nits or, or things that maybe I introduced in the in the fixing or yeah. we just you know got missed throughout the whole thing. Um, and that group also will uh, tend to put up reviews for me as well. So okay. which is always helpful to uh, book launching uh, with some reviews on it. So I'm, I'm thinking you are more of a planner than a seat of your pantser for for this. For 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 writing, I, you know, I um I used to be I would write like a, a scaffolding outline. Um, it would be just be about two pages. Mm-hmm. Um, there would be like you know what what the overall story was about, maybe some things about characters that might be new or what's going through the challenge, and then I would write just a very chunky you know part one of the book is about this and this is what it ends on part two part three part four and those major points and that was always enough for me um but it would always again require a lot of like walks of oh i've got to this part where i don't know what's next um and actually i was recently on a flight and part of i was united or something and you know they had like you know you could watch movies or something and i'm flipping through and i get to uh, the master class with James Patterson. And I'm like, you know, this should be, be you know, it's, all, you know, you can always learn something. Yeah. Um, and again, there, as I watched it, there were a lot of things that were, you know, I've heard advice from a lot of times. And some things also were things I knew, but were just kind of good reminders of things I needed to do. But the one thing he talked about that is something I have never done is write a, a really detailed outline. And he talked about why he does it. And I thought, you know what, since I, you know, um, I'm going to try that for this, the series that I'm writing right now, I had, I've never, you know, done a detailed outline. So instead of doing just the two page outline and then pantsing from there, mm-hmm. um, I wrote a essentially about I think eight or 10 page outline. I mean, there's some like overall, like, here's the log line for it. Here's what's going on with the major characters. Here is that part one, part two, part three, part four. And then, um, you know, some other details and then a, a, a paragraph for each chapter and where they end, what the point of view is. And and I wrote that. I mean, it took it took about a, a week or two of, of really going oh, yeah. through that. 
cycle through. Because that's like writing your whole book. I mean, that's, that's, yeah, yeah. Here's my book. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, figuring out where the plot points are, how to weave things in. And I did that and it was a really uh, enlightening experience. Um, and I, and I think the book was even stronger for it because, you know, I was able to plan those things ahead of time and, and, and I'd understood everybody enough that it worked really well. Um, so I've done like I'm, I'm starting book three of that new series uh, just actually this morning, and I've done that outline for each one, and I'm I'm really happy with it. Also, it's really it, it, I haven't slowed down like normally. Sometimes I'd get to where ooh I need to pause because I need to figure out the next section, but I haven't had that, and it's it's been a little eerie because I've just been like, okay, what you know, what am I writing? Okay, looking, oh yeah, this chapter is about this, and you know, I try to also like read what the chapter is for the next day too before I'm done just so I can be thinking yeah. about it but yeah. it's been a really it's been a good experience and I and I I do I, I think it's good after 60 books to switch up my process you know to do something different because I don't want to get too complacent right. I always want to be learning pushing my books you know pushing myself to get better and I think maybe the other way I might have been too complacent and maybe that's why the summer I went uh you know off off into the hinterlands. So, yeah. <laughs> Do you ever w- worry about running out of steam? Oh no, no, no. I, oh, I love good. to write. Yeah. Um, I, I, uh, my, my goal for the hundred halls is to at least write a hundred books. I mean, that seems logical. Um, I think you have to. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm, I'm not going to do a series about all 100 halls because you know, that would take 500 books. So that'd be a little nuts, but I basically have four seasons planned out. Okay. Like All right. Um, any books on writing craft that you would recommend or that you enjoyed? Um, ooh. I've read Anne Lamott's Bird by Bird a couple times. I've read Stephen yeah. King's book on on writing, which okay. I think is wonderful. Let's see. There's an author named Zinser, really an older book on, on yeah. writing well. That was really good. Didn't know if there are any, any new uh, ones. Yeah, or. The, the, and the author is Solstein, and I think so. He was an author, and he was also a playwright. And I think okay. what was most interesting about what he had to say is, as a playwright, when you're doing the early rehearsals, or um, you know, you can change the play as it's going along. Mm-hmm. And even within the early rehearsals, you know, the other parts of the cast might be sitting there, and as people would be doing their lines, he would not watch what was going on on stage, but the reactions from people and to see, Ooh, mm, they didn't, you know, that didn't like hit like I thought it would, or, you know, things like that. So, um, you know, that idea of, you know, you need to kind of like be able how do you gauge the reaction of what, you know, cause you're trying to, when you're writing, you're coding people to have a feeling. You know, we're, we're, you know, we're writing marks on a page that then create emotions in people. That's, you know, and every genre is about a different emotion. So, you know, we're trying to achieve that. So that's, you know, how, how are you conscious about what emotion you're giving? Now, it's harder because we're writing it into a novel and then somebody else is reading it later. So mm-hmm. I think that's always the thing I'm asking my beta readers most is like the emotional thing. Or, you know, when Rachel reads it, she'll be like, you know, I didn't feel enough emotion at this part. And I think and, that's I mean, very and it's, it's it's not like you can get all your beta readers together and, and have them read and you sit there and you watch them. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. 
And then the other the other thing he talked about was giving your characters um, a, uh, not all the information, like give this character a little information and this character a little information and give them opposing goals. And he said it was actually a when he was like teaching young playwrights, uh, what he would do is he would get a, a one, you know, actor in the room and like give them a note. Like, I think the example I remember is like uh, one of them's a, a, a parent of their and their son was, you know, supposedly getting into trouble and they were going to talk to the principal Bob about it. But the parent was convinced that their son was in the right and that they had done nothing wrong. And then the principal was told this kid is a problem. He's been causing issues. And so they give them these opposing goals and then they start they start talking and immediately sparks fly and there's tension and all that. And, and it, the dialogue writes itself. And I think that is always a, a really good lesson. You know, when you're setting up a scene, you know, it can't just be two, you know, two characters doing the, as you know, Bob, you know, info dumping for the readers. There has to be tension. You know, this person wants something, this person wants something. And there are those opposing goals even if they're best friends, you know, it right. doesn't matter. And and those are, those are really important. And I, um, as a writer, when I am doing those kind of scenes and the words are just flowing so fast and I'm feeling all that emotion, I'm like, I know this is good because, because of that. But when I, you know, and I think if that's always the thing is how can I set this scene up to where me as the writer are just, observing what's going on between these characters rather than having to think up what they're saying. And I think that's always when the, the characters uh, fly off the page, you know? Yeah. You have to, if you don't have tension, what do you yeah. have? It, it's boring, right? I mean, you, you have to put your characters in such in difficult situations. Yeah. You know, and Authors then, are really cruel people. Oh, I know. I know. And, and then, and then once they're in a difficult situation, you have to figure out, what you could do to make it even more difficult. I mean, you have to yeah. just keep doing that. Otherwise it's like, yawn. Oh yeah. They knocked on the door and someone opened the door and said, come on in and have some tea. Yawn. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we don't want a, a series of uh, mundane activities with no tension because yeah, what, who wants to read that? So do you have a favorite pair of socks? I, you know, the ones I got, uh, the ones I got for Christmas are really nice. Uh, they're nice and long. They're great for skiing. I, I can't wait to, you know, they're kind of thick enough, but also really warm. You know, you got you got to have good socks around here. Let's see. Oh, I have, cool. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Good. <laughs> this is the first time I've shown my feet on, <laughs> on a podcast. Are there any other interesting things that you might want your readers to know about you? Any quirks? Um. Uh, well, I mean, you know, and I, 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 um, I did a, such a terrible job thinking of the one word. I, I, <laughs> I, I want, you know, when I want readers to pick up a book, I want them to have fun. I want them to love the characters and the world. So, you know, if you're reading one of my Hundred Halls series, that's what you're going to get. You're going to get magical schools and and the weird things that go on with that. The the interesting trinkets and and spells that you know uh, that can go awry, you know somebody mis uh, miscasting a word and ending up summoning a room full of bras, you know, you know those kind of uh, weird different things. Yeah, I, I think that you know they're, when they're picking up a hundred halls book, they they should be ready to have a lot of fun. So, and that's the word that I used when I 
when I finished reading it. So I just got my my Medicare card. So you know how old I I am, and and I thought it was great fun that first book. Do you have a target audience, a target age who mostly reads your books? Uh, you know, and it, I you know, I'd say it tends to be. I would, you know, and we do get certain stats because I, you know, I do stuff on TikTok or or we have our direct store and stuff like that. In general, it's probably the majority of my audience would be 35 to 65 women. But um, we have found uh, from doing our direct sales that um, I've been getting a lot more male readers, but they tend towards the audiobooks. And just because we've recently had the audiobooks, that was never something that uh, we were able to see. So I think maybe that format was limiting. So I'm, I don't, I wouldn't say I have this impression of what my audience is, but that was, would not be the the complete case because like I said, you know, we've been having a lot of audiobook sales uh, because, uh, because of that and they tend to be men. So I think that just happens to be, you know, for whatever reason, you know, they don't, want to sit down and they want to just listen to it. So that's been, so that's been kind of yeah. an interesting revelation this last year. Like my husband, he'll do an audiobook while he's woodworking or, you yeah. know, I'll listen when I'm on my treadmill. And yeah, I mean, all kinds of good places you can listen when you're, when you're traveling, when you're driving long places, it's great to be yeah. in a different world. Take that takes you away. What, so how many books are you going to going to publish in 2024? This is the start of a new year. What are your writing yeah. goals? So, um, so the the next the book four and five of the Crystal Hall series is coming out. Uh, book four is coming out in two weeks, and then book five comes out in February. And then what I'm writing right now, because basically I'm always writing what will come out next year. Mm-hmm. Um, I will these five books um, will launch in the fall. Uh, I start always start with a Kickstarter and then, you know, we'll launch them or put them up uh, one month at, uh, at a time after that. I guess five books. There is another book that I do want to put out. I wrote a the first book of a magical high series, a fantasy high series. This is epic fantasy. Ah. Um, I just haven't had time in my schedule to acquire the cover art, um, get all that stuff. And then we want to do like kind of a special edition on Kickstarter. So that's going to be a bunch more effort. But since we've been doing this game, that has really sucked up a lot of time. So I have this book that I've written that I really want to put out. It's a lot of fun. And then, you know, I'll, I'll get to write book two and three after it's done. Uh, but that, so that might be maybe this summer if we find we have time or maybe that'll be next year. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> You just have to cut back on your your hours of sleep. Do, do you do you sleep? I I do. I you know I I I that's one thing I like getting away from the corporate world is I actually get to sleep in. I used to get up at five a.m. to be in at work and and be there by six, and and then I'd work till like five at night, and then get home and write for two or three hours, and then get maybe an hour by myself, and maybe watch some TV, and then go to bed and do it all over again. So I love getting to sleep now. It's wonderful. And now you can get up at five and get right to work. Yeah. All right. No, I I get up at like 730. Oh, I want to sleep in. That's nice. I do too. With our, we have a new puppy. Our son, Jake brought us a new puppy and um, we don't get to sleep in too much anymore. Kind of like having another baby. And yeah, thank goodness he's cute. That's all I could say. (laughs) Tell our listeners one, one piece of advice that 
burgeoning authors can use right now, can put to work right now? One piece of advice. Um, uh, a, a great exercise. I actually uh, saw um, Brandon Sanderson. Anyway, he's a very big fantasy author. Was talking about this, and I've 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 done this exercise in the past, and I think it's a it's a great exercise if you are new to writing and or even new to your characters or your world. Is you know take the town or whatever that you know your your characters are going to exist in, and start with having uh, a stranger walk into the town and just write, you know, whatever that stranger walking into the town and their experiences and what they're seeing. And then once you're done with that, set that aside and write another one with uh, like a police officer or, you know, constable or, or whatever, and then do another, you know, with another type of character from your world. And, you know, if there's a King, have the King walk through and then, when you're done, after you've had all them, have your main character walk through the town. And so yeah. each each of the people should see different things. Yes. Um, there's a, a term setting as opinion. So you, 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 I mean, of course, we're going to describe our, our settings, but the best way to describe a setting is through the opinion of a character. Everybody is going to see something differently. Um, a police officer is always going to be looking at you know people are they you know they causing a crime you know are there any potential pickpockets if it's a busy area or or something like that you know they might be you know checking their you know the sight lines and things like that you know every, everybody is going to have that and and those things that we take into a new place really help define us and the world itself and again that's also why having multiple point of views is really good for a world because it, it gives you more texture and another dimension to what that world is like, because we all have a different opinion on, yeah. on a place, you know? Yeah, no, I you think know, that's, me, that's, as a that's newcomer great. to the town, there are a lot of things. Oh, I'm, I love, and I'm excited about, Ooh, you know, new buildings going up or stuff like that. Somebody who's lived here for a long time, maybe they lived in Buena Vista for 20 years. They're disappointed that things are changing and that new people are coming in and they might have a different opinion on that house going up. So, you know, though, I think those are, that's a good, um, it's a good training exercise. It's also maybe a good way to explore a world and it's a way to get better as a writer. I think that's fabulous. And I had never even thought of doing something like that. That's a great exercise. I love it. All of your books can be found everywhere, everywhere yeah, and anywhere. Found at Amazon, Kobo, iTunes, Google. I mean, any any online retailer will have my books. And I do have them on my store, uh, thomaskcarpenter.com. Uh, there's a link on there. And I do sell all my books cheaper on my direct store. And um, sometimes with bonus content that you can't find anywhere else. Okay. And you can subscribe to your newsletter. And I've got, yes. I've got links. So... Will you send me some photos, just of you, maybe of you hiking, maybe of you writing, whatever. I will have yep. links and photos on my blog at letvillaurel.com. And uh, is there anything else you would like our listeners to know about you, about anything? Um, I have, like I mentioned, I have a card game, uh, strategy cooperative card game based on the 100 Halls universe coming out on Kickstarter on February 13th. 
Um, it is uh, going to be, it's got great art. It's a lot of fun to play. It's uh, the kind of game you can play together with. If you're not a competitive person, it's a, it's a great uh, game to play with your friends because you're working together to solve a problem. Um, like I said, the, you know, I'll, I'll also send you a link for that, but it's called champions of the hundred halls. Uh, and like I said, it's coming out on Kickstarter, February 13th, and we're, we're super pumped about it. That is really exciting. Thomas K. Carpenter, Tom, this has been delightful. I really enjoyed your first book. John, thank you and happy new year. And, uh, maybe we'll see you around and, yeah, um, yeah. look, looking forward to your, your next releases. Um, thank you listeners and go out and check out Tom Carpenter's books. They are fun. They are magical. They will take you away. Wonderful. Oh, and and also send me links to your Kickstarter campaigns too. Yeah. All right. Well, thank Thank you. you. We'll see you around. Bye-bye. Alligator Preserves is hosted and produced by Laurel McCard with technical support provided by her husband, Mike McCard. Follow her on her website at leadvillelaurel.com, where she writes about life, real, and imagined. If you enjoyed this podcast, you might enjoy her books. Find her work at amazon.com.